fear the war I will not fear the storm My help is on the way My help is on the way Oh my God He will not delay My refuge and strength Always I will not fear His promise is true
right, good morning, everyone. Let's uh, go ahead and just stand and worship the Lord. Welcome to Haven Community Church. And we've got some uh, really exciting stuff, but we're thrilled that the Lord is very present here today. Let's stand.
rhetorical answer the thing all right good good to see everybody out here today and uh seeing more people all the time it's good stuff and uh we're here in the getting close to summer today i know there's some graduation seat there are people graduating from cecil so that's uh that's good and i know some other places are graduating so we want to keep people in your prayers let's go to um our our prayer list here let's take a look at some people we want to add to the prayer list um uh holly asked for prayers for a um for a friend's um, health, 
Um, we got some blank prayer requests here. There's a lot of got a lot of blank prayer requests here. Um, I know Hawk, you said somebody you work with, correct? Or um, so we want to lift them up in your prayers as well. Um, we have some others to add here. I ask that you add my uh, friend Hessel, um, his mother, in your prayers uh, as um, she is um, struggling. Um, between heart and kidney, and it looks like um, she will be passing on in, in a short time. So be with him as he's in the midst of those, uh, those areas and situations of end of life. And also um, prayers for um, my, my friend um, Paul Heath. Um, some of you know Mary Heath, his mother. She went to the hospital uh, the other night, and it's very touch and go there as well. Um, and they've detected a mass in her abdomen. Um, and several other things that are going on there. So continue to be with them in uh, these prayers and, um, and lots of other stuff that exists in the midst there. And I would be remiss if I did not mention uh, prayers for the larger community here in the passing of Phil Meekins. Um, Phil was a pastor uh, down in... Um, Right down, uh, their church was right next to this uh, Cecil County landfill. Um, but P Phil was much, much more than that. Phil was a guy who um, really had a ministry because of how God brought him through his own struggles with addiction and other kinds of um, things to really minister to that community in an amazing way. Um, and we were able to partner with Phil and his vision to, when there was no halfway houses in Cecil County, to put the first one there together um, and to just um, support him in that ministry. And by him passing on this week due to COVID and other complications. Um, we, um, we know that there's a huge void in this church and also in the larger community, as Phil was also maintenance supervisor for the town of Northeast and just, uh, just a guy who grew up here and touched many, many people. So we ask that um, God help. We know he won't fill the void, but we just pray that God will help um, bring somebody else with that calling in the midst of that to people who so so need it and who he truly did answer his call. So it's very fitting today we're going to talk about spiritual giftedness and the call of God in, uh, in the midst of these things. So continue to lift them in your prayers as well and, and all others. So there's a lot, of, a lot of different things going on in the midst of that. And continue to lift up um, Paul Smith as he's, um, he's going to be facing some surgery as well with a, a tumor that's pressing on his kidney and other kinds of things. So continue to lift them and everyone else in your prayers in this really crazy time that continues to get crazier all the time, right? Um, so, uh, um, um, so let's just go to the Lord in prayer on those things today. God, we come to you today lifting up several different people for friends of ours, for Huck's um, co-worker and friends uh, there, for um, Holly's friend. Um, in those situations, I ask that you be with Mary Heath and... Um, and my friend Hessel's uh, mother, uh, and their families, and everybody dealing with those things. And Lord, a special prayer for, for the life of Pastor Phil Meekins. And we know that um, Phil did not try to be anything he, was, he wasn't, but he was just true and had a love and a heart for you. And so God, we, I thank you for his ministry, and I pray that God, you will touch the hearts of those who he connected with so much. Um, not only those who he just connected with, but those he connected to you. And for that, I give you praise for his life and that, um, those who celebrate that life, that, um, that God, you will be with them and encourage them in the same faith that he had. Uh, and be with um, the Bamba family still in the loss of Vince from our, our church and more importantly, their family, particularly his kids. And for all the struggles and challenges that we are dealing with in this wild and crazy world, God, we just ask that your Holy Spirit be more real to us as we are talking about that and that we will be able to share with the entire world that you are, you, Jesus reigns, just as we sang today. And for that, we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody says, amen.
Amen, amen. All right, a couple, um, couple different uh, announcements, and I'm going to touch on one that we have like a PowerPoint to kind of go with in a second, um, just to kind of give some, uh, some main points. Sunday school is rolling along, nursery as well. Um, youth group are also meeting um, after church, and if you're facing a crisis, we also have our Stephen ministry, and uh, I should say when you're ready to deal with a crisis, um, someone is there because everybody is facing some sort of crisis. I was just talking with several people the other day, and one of the things is um, I, I haven't heard in a while of people lingering on from an illness in a while. You know what I mean? It seems like everything, these passings and these deaths and these tragedies seems to hit out of anywhere. So a lot of people are dealing with a shock of, of death and also um, cancers and other types of things. So continue to, um, to, if you want to connect, we do have Stephen Ministry that is ready to go ahead and journey with you. And for Parish Foundation, how are we doing? We're good. You guys always meet that need, and I'm grateful for all of you uh, meeting that need um, today, and you're going to get those all over to the Parish Foundation today. Now, just to let you know, I want to tell you, our leadership team met this last week, and we were all excited because we were going to make some steps to go ahead and put chairs out, still leave some avenues for social distancing for people, but recognizing uh, some other things. We were going to go ahead and, and put a big splash down, but our governor kind of ruined that for us, all right, As he, and he did it late, not like us. We did it early. So here's some things that we want to talk about. I know many of us are excited uh, um, that um, many of, our, of the mandates and other kinds of things are lifted. Um, however, there's a couple things that I just want to touch on and go with just so that we can uh, make a transition. A lot of us are like, I've, heard, I've had several conversations with people who've said, my gosh, this seems abrupt, like from nothing to everything. Um, meanwhile, and talking with people who I know in Toronto, Toronto is shut down again. And let's not forget those in India who people are actually dying on the steps of hospitals. India is one of the largest producers of pharmaceuticals, but only 2% have been vaccinated and people are still dying there. So we want to keep that, that, recognize that this is still going on. And even in our own community, as we just mentioned, Pastor Phil Meekins died from uh, complications and other things with COVID. So here's a couple things that we want to talk about when we're talking about this transition of what we're doing. Number one, as I said, we need to still remember that COVID-19 COVID and coronavirus still continues to affect people in our community and even in our church family as well. So we want to recognize that. Effective May 19th, um, social distancing is no longer mandated, and we are all excited about that. Um, maybe, maybe some of you are like, I liked people being away from me. I don't know. Um, and we are going to put the sanctuary chairs back in to their pre-pandemic uh, configuration, and that I'm excited about. Um, go ahead, you can share. This is stuff we can share about. Because, see, God, we've been praying a long time, and God is moving in the midst of things. Um, and so that will be starting next week. Um, and if people, one of the things we do recognize is not everybody's still comfortable with things. Um, and so um, if people prefer to remain at some distance, we will give you a please do not sit card that you can put next to you if you want to go ahead and keep that together because um, we want to we recognize we want everybody to feel safe and secure and feel like you can freely worship God without other distractions. That's what we've always tried to do from the very beginning of this church. So you just plop that next to you and um, if, you, if you would like that and that would be good. Um, in, the, in the short term, we are still going to continue to take some temperatures at the door just to minimize the pop possibility not only of COVID but of other illnesses because in the meantime one of the things that we have learned is um, the flu season has kind of gone and went um, with very minimal things you know why because we are all staying away from each other and we all have masks so that's one of the things that they say um, so if you're ill um, 
we have online, and we would love for you, we'd love for you to be here, but we want you healthy. Uh, the days I think of, oh, I just have the sniffles, oh, I just feel like a cold, I mean, I, I, I've preached before. I remember my birthday, I preached and had a stomach bug and sat up here and was just dying, but did it. That won't happen anymore, because we want to make sure that, um, that everybody is healthy and free to worship the Lord as well. That's not, before you go somewhere, that is not putting God to test, it's just being smart. Okay, um, and that's the kind of things that we, and we took a lot of things for granted before and realized how filthy we actually were. Anybody realize that? Remember when you didn't wash your hands for years? Um, so anyway, there we go. Um, yeah, you disgusting people. All right, but anyway, so we're going to still continue to kind of do some temperature checks early on just to make sure in this transitional part um, until we get to, to a place where most people really feel comfortable. Um, the CD and Maryland have... Um, uh, remove the mask uh, mandate, sort of. The guidance is that people who are fully vaccinated two weeks ago can stop wearing masks indoors in some situations. So make sure you get the full thing. And one of those is including in church. Now, um, it's not in healthcare situations. It's not even in schools, which is interesting, um, and some other areas. So be sure to check those out. But um, for here, that is a possibility, and we are uh, working toward that. But um, people who have not been vaccinated, again, I'm not going to be the, the uh, vaccination check. That's not my job. You know what you did. You could lie to me and lie in church. You got to deal with God with that. But regardless, the, the simple fact is they, the CDC and others still do encourage, if you have not been vaccinated, to continue with those protocols. That's what they say. That's something that you're going to have to deal with with you and God and others. But we do want to go ahead and make sure that um, this, and recognize they are, we, that is encouraged if you have not been vaccinated to maybe continue to do that. Um, because what we've learned, I've known several people who have been vaccinated who still test positive for COVID. It doesn't do away with it. It just limits, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, nurses in here, limits the effects of what it's supposed to have on you, okay? That's what it's for. So I know many people who have had been vaccinated and have um, tested positive, it is just to limit the effects. So what they say is, if you don't have uh, vaccination, deal with that yourself. I'm not here preaching vaccination. Uh, I'm just giving information. The, um, the main thing is, you have to make that decision for yourself, but, there, um, but be, be, uh, be notified about what you want to do. Don't worry about all the other kinds of stuff that's, that's going on there. But that's just, I'm just passing on what the information is. So we'll continue to ask people just for the next few weeks to register just in case we need to figure out some contact tracing. That's all it is. We're not going to, you know, that, again, I want to let you know, through, in order to have church over the last year, it has taken people a lot of effort to make sure things have happened. Um, none of us love the, the distancing and the other stuff, and the people who are setting up every week don't particularly love that, and, and people register. It's not something we love to do, but we want to make sure that you feel safe and secure. We follow guidelines, and that most of all, we can forget about all that junk and worship Jesus, right? And that's the main goal of everything in a safe environment. So, um, we'll, so again, we're going to continue to do that. So anyone who, who then says, oh my gosh, I am positive, because we do recognize some people will make the choice to remove masks, not be vaccinated, and we want to let people know, hey, someone was positive, and you might want to check things out. Okay, we're just trying to make sure those things happen. So if anyone has any questions, you can go ahead and talk to Keith um, or, or also Jim. Um, they're kinda, they kind of have been guiding our, our COVID kind of thing. And the other thing is, hey, we are getting to a good place. Praise God and thank the Lord for these kind of things. But don't forget, there are places in the world like India, Toronto, and other places where people are dying at record numbers still. Um, and so, um, so we want to pray for them and continue. But good news, correct? So we're in a good place. Everybody go there? Okay. Everybody good? Are you? All right, just checking. I mean, I don't know. I am. I think it's, you know, I, I remember when we were doing the, uh, 
the prayers like in church every week, I got tired. <laughs> you know, I got, hopefully we're doing it morning and evening, but I got tired. I was like, come on, Lord, let's go. And God is answering those prayers through many different ways, and we're thankful for that. But step up the prayers for those other areas. Okay, we good to go? All right, now let's go to um, where we are. We are going to, we're in a series a four-week series on the Holy Spirit. And next week is Pentecost Sunday. Isn't that cool that, um, that all these things are changing on Pentecost? There we go, where the Spirit fell, and um, we can celebrate the Holy Spirit falling in this world. So we have been talking about this series on the Holy Spirit, and this is an important series. Why? Well, we talked a little bit last week about why, but this is important because we come from different places. All of us come from different places, and the normal that we have is based off of our upbringing. And the normal that we have is not somebody else's normal. Matter of fact, somebody else's normal is our abnormal. And your normal is different from everybody else's normal. But what this series does, based off of the Holy Spirit, allows us to all be on the same place. And so, um, like for instance, how many of you have a Baptist background? Anybody have a Baptist background? Raise your hand high. Okay, I know it's hard for a Baptist to raise their hand. Okay, you know, no, I'm just joking. Um, so there we go, uh, Baptist background. How many have a Methodist background? All right, there you go. I know you had to have a committee in order to do that, but how many Presbyterian backgrounds? Okay, you don't want to raise because it's not predestined to lift your hand up, right? Correct? Um, Episcopals, how many Episcopal backgrounds? Any Episcopal background? All right. Um, any Catholic backgrounds? Okay, there we go. There's some Catholic backgrounds. Any Pentecostal charismatics? Raise both your hands. There we go. All right, get them both up there. There you go. All right. All right. So there we go. Pentecostal back. Um, anybody just a good old sinner? Hey, you guys, had the, you guys had the best background, right? You don't have any of this preconceived stuff and come from the best place. So, but the challenge is to bring us all together on different issues because every one of those has their own view, particularly of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and, um, and God in this way. So I kind of found something here that I think uh, was really kind of funny. It's something I, I saw years ago, and it's about how many so-and-sos does it take to change a light bulb. Anybody ever heard these? Um, and this kind of goes, this takes uh, about how many, and it takes a church, uh, like denominations. And it says, how many charismatics does it take to change a light bulb? One, since his or her hands are already in the air. All right, so we have that one. Um, what about this one? How many Pentecostals does it take to change a light bulb? Um, Ten. One to change it and nine to bind the spirit of darkness. Isn't that great? Okay, Pentecostals get that one. Okay. How many TV evangelists does it take to change a light bulb? One. But for the message of light to continue, please send your donation in today. How many campfire worship leaders does it take to change a light bulb? One, but soon all those around can warm up and it's glowing. Get it? It only takes a spark. Okay, go. Yeah, I thought that was funny. Um, how many Episcopalians does it take to change a light bulb? Ten. One to call the electrician, and nine to say how much they like the old one better. Right. How many Baptists does it take to change a light bulb? Change? <laughs> That's great. Okay. How many Lutherans does it take to change a light bulb? Uh, there is some question here, but we have it on good authority that they have appointed a committee to study the issue and report back at their next meeting. How many Amish does it take to change a light bulb? What's a light bulb? <laughs> how many Mormons does it take to change a light bulb? One man and four wives to tell him how to do it. <laughs> how many Presbyterians does it take to change a light bulb? None. The lights go on and off at predestined times. How many United Methodists does it take to change a light bulb? 
We choose not to make a statement either in favor of or against the need for a light bulb. However, if you in your own journey have found that a light bulb works for you, that is fine. You are invited to write a poem or compose a modern dance about your personal relationship to your light bulb and to present it in our next month annual Light Bulb Sunday service, in which we will explore a number of light bulb traditions, including incandescent, fluorescent, three-way, long-lived, and tinted, all of which are equally valid paths to the illumination of Jesus Christ. And then last but not least, non-religious, how many chiropractors does it take to change a light bulb? One, but it'll take you six visits to get it done. All right. Isn't it good? I like that. Isn't it good? I was laughing. I thought that was hilarious. All right. Um, we are going to, uh, to kind of talk a little bit about today because there's a lot of confusion um, in some now and then also back then about the Holy Spirit. And... Uh, that's where the meat of this message and the series is, to focus on the confusion and clearing up some of that. So we are in the fifth book of the New Testament, right after the Acts of, the, right after the Acts of Jesus, where he ascended to heaven, in what's called the Acts of the Apostle, or the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And the book of Acts is the historical record of the early church. And the whole book starts with the Holy Spirit. And we are 19 chapters in where we pick up, which means that several decades have gone by. And... Uh, the Apostle Paul starts to speak. So here we go. And let's look at our theme verse. It says, while Apollos was in Corinth, where we get the book of Corinthians from, um, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus, where we get the book of Ephesians from. So Paul is headed uh, to Ephesus, and there he found some disciples. So he's excited. He found some people who were believers in Jesus Christ. And they were like, oh, you must be Paul. Oh, great. And they were talking, and they were like, yay, we're Christians, or part of the way, as they called it back then. And he said, hey, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So Paul's really excited because he's found believers, and he, he's seen the work of the Holy Spirit do miraculous things. And he says to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And here's what they answered. They said this. No, we haven't even heard there's a Holy Spirit. They were believers. They were going to heaven. They accepted the, the gift of grace, which is Jesus Christ, the Savior and Lord. But yet here they go. He says, hey, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And they're like, what's that? And I think that's... Uh, a, a great illustration today that we have many people who love God, who know about the love of God the Father, who know about the salvation that is offered to us through Jesus Christ, and we got them down good. But then we say, what? the Holy Spirit. And there's some, we talked about last week how there's some fear, there might be some apprehension, there's some other things. So what we did last week is we kind of explained the person of the Holy Spirit. Him, not an it. it the Holy Spirit is a person. It is the person of God. It is the third person of the Trinity, the triune God. We talked about two languages of the Old and New Testament. How in Hebrew, anybody remember the Old Testament name for spirit? What was it? Ruach. Yeah, you want to spit, you'll be glad you had, um, they had mask on this week. Ruach, right? So that's what you have. Ruach, it is a wind, a breath, a violent exhalation. <sighs> right? A blast of breath. And then we talked about in the New Testament, the word was what? Pneuma. Pneuma, and it's a current of air, a blast of breath, a strong breeze. And we talked about the challenge for the, for the uh, New Testament right, uh, translators to put um, the Father, Son, and Holy Breath. You know, I mean, that doesn't sound right. So they came up with, they used spirit and, um, and different things like that. And so um, we're going to pick up today, and we were talking about how the words were just difficult, but we understand those, and hopefully that helped you last week to understand a little bit more about the nature of who the Holy Spirit is. 
And so today we're going to deal with another term that has a lot with it. And it's a term called charismatic or charisma. And when we hear that, a lot of people get nervous when they hear about, oh, you're a charismatic. Because a lot of people think that charismatic Christians are those who go ahead and open a box and start running around with snakes. And going, oh, you know, anybody seen those before? I'm going to tell you, if that's how you had to worship, I would worship at home by myself. All right, just letting you know. I am not touching a snake. I don't want it. I don't need it. I don't like them. And scripture also says crush their heel. I, I like that verse much better than the one in Mark about picking them up. But you know what I mean? Some people think that you're a little bit crazy. Correct? You're charismatic. You're going to be a little bit odd. Okay, so you're going to have that. Next week, we're going to talk about another term, Pentecostal, because it is the day of Pentecost. So we're going to talk about those two terms, and and we're going to explain this a little bit more. Well, if you look at the word charisma or you look at the word charismatic, it is nothing further from the thing of snakes and stuff. It is is something completely different. It, it, It actually means this, a favor freely given or a grace gift. It just means charis is a gift. And we're talking about grace that is here. So what we're going to talk about today, we are going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And a lot of people just have no idea about that. How many like gifts? How many like to get gifts? Who likes to get gifts? Who likes presents? I like presents. How many like to give them? All right, why do you give gifts? Why do you give gifts to people? What? Make them feel happy. What else? Okay, get the reaction, all kinds of other things. How many of like, those of you who like to get gifts? What do you like about gifts? Surprise. What? Surprise. A surprise. Okay, so there's a surprise there. So you, you like to be surprised by a gift. How many of you are those people who just, you know what, somebody says, here's what I'm getting you, and you can just go get it, you know, that kind of thing. This just kind of takes some of the fun out of it, right? You like, anybody have a surprise party in your life? Anybody ever have one? Didn't you like that? Some of you are like, I don't like surprise. But there is a surprise. There's something there. And, and when you have somebody who, who really is very, very thoughtful about giving and makes it very intentional, then there is this excitement also when you receive the gift because it's special for you. Like uh, my mom was really good at that. I, I've been told I get some of that, that I really think intentionally about what I'm going to give. So there's a lot of my heart in the midst of the giftedness. And when I open up, you're like, wow, that's kind of cool. And, and so you have, you have those there. Um, like right now, I have a, a gift that Jill gave me for my birthday. And it is, um, it's, uh, it's two uh, th- fingerprints. One is my mom, one is my dad's. And it has my mom and dad's writing says, love mom and dad. And so I, yeah, see, you got it. Oh, right there. Yeah, you got it. I got it. I cried like a baby. Yeah, it, it's all good. But you, you have these things. That's part of the gift that you have. For After mom passed away, I went ahead for Christmas and ordered one of those photo blankets with mom and dad all over it. And I gave it to dad, and he just, he wasn't in a place to, to have it. But now I have it now, okay? Um, I did the same thing for Jill because it's something I wanted them to be surprised, but I wanted it to mean something to them. And, and if that's how we feel about gifts, God has amazing gifts he wants to gift you. And any gift God has is better than any gift we give to each other. And so God has some gifts for you. And if you like to get gifts, you should be excited about what God wants to give you. And if you um, like to give gifts, you're going to say, wow, God likes to give even more so than me. So here's a couple gifts. Let's go to this one. God, the one gift that I want to talk about is God wants to give eternal life, okay? And that's one we all need and we all want to have. Am I correct? Because the more I'm seeing this world, I'm like, come on, God, get on with it. I'm ready to go. I want, to, I want that gift right now, 
I'd love to experience that right now and, and, and go ahead and enjoy that. And so God has this gift of eternal life. And here's the cool thing. It is available to everybody. Because Scripture says, for God so loved the world that he gave his, see the gift? Gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, you see, a gift's only as good as you receive it. Correct? If I give you a gift of a um, Lamborghini out there, it's only as good if you get in it and use it. I'm not going to, but it's a nice thought. Anyway, uh, so God gives us the gift of his son for the world, and it's available to all of us. And here's the cool thing. It stands on its own. We can't earn it at all. Look at what it says here from, in the book of Romans. Romans says, for the wages, what we get paid for sin is death. There is a price to our sin. There is a price to missing the mark of what God intended, and that payment is this, death and dying. But here's what it says. But the what? Gift of God is eternal life. God says, you deserve to have death, but I'm going to give you the gift of eternal life. Who's it in? In Christ Jesus, our Lord. So what Jesus did, God said, here's my son. He's the gift. If you accept him and you accept this gift that I give to you, guess what? You don't have death. You have eternal life. And that's amazing. That is available for everyone. So if you never accepted that gift of God, that's the first thing that you need to do. So Jesus died to pay our penalty. What, what hell and death is, is simply you saying, no, thank you. I'll pay my bill myself. Right? It's not that God is, is evil or vicious. Matter of fact, God has done everything to give you a get-out-of-jail-free card, get-out-of-hell-free card, and if you don't want to accept his gift, he says, go ahead, I will allow you to pay the price yourself. And the price is death. Okay? Yeah, everybody understand that? We put a lot of churchy stuff to it. We dangle people with fires of hell. But ultimately what we're saying is if we don't want eternal life through and accept Jesus Christ, we are saying, I am going to pay the price of my sin for myself, and that's death, all right? So uh, there we go. Um, the gift does stand on its own. You can't earn it. You can't do enough stuff. Like, you can't go to church enough and achieve eternal life. You can't read your Bible enough and achieve it. You can't forgive enough. You can't tithe enough. It's a free gift of God. As uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the great um, theologian, said, it's free, but it's not cheap. It costs Christ his life. So I think a lot of times we, we talk about the gift of God, Jesus giving up his life on a cross as being free, but we cheapen it. And we don't realize it cost him his life and what he went through. And so um, we need to recognize it's free. Ephesians 2.8 says this, For it is by grace that you have been saved, and that word is cares, okay? That you have been saved through faith, and it is not from yourselves. In other words, you can't do anything with it. What is it? It is the Gift of God. It is the gift of God. And, you know, we give gifts because we, not because we earn them, not because we deserve them. Like, we get gifts because we are loved and cared about. Correct? Uh-huh. Okay, so we get that. Anybody, you get a gift not because you earned it. Has anybody ever gotten in a fight with somebody before, like, Christmas? Did they take all your gifts back? No. All right. Well. I'm asking questions. You guys are, like, not awake here, all right? So, um, what? They did? Okay. Oh, there you go. Um, but you might have gotten an argument, but then you kind of sit down, and you still have the gifts, and you work through it, correct? Because you're loved. You may work through this thing. This is how God is. We don't deserve it, but he goes ahead and gives it to us. It is the gift of God that we cannot earn. So you say, Jack, 
Why are you saying this? Because the next gift, I'm saying it's not earned. The next gift, you do have to do something. There is some work, and God has an assignment for you. So the second gift that God has for us is this. What we're serious about, the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, he states that it is, is a gift. Let's look at Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. And Jesus sell, tells them, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the what? Gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized in water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So water is a symbol of your salvation. It's associated with salvation. So that is one thing. He said, okay, water baptism, your salvation. But the gift of God is the Holy Spirit. And he talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We will talk about that in two weeks. We'll talk about what that looks like in week chapter four. Um, in week four, sorry, we will talk about what that looks like. Now remember, charismatic or charisma is that favor, that freely favor given gift. You don't deserve it. It is a grace gift. It is a grace gift. So that is, that is what the Holy Spirit is. So the second thing, we have eternal life, we have the Holy Spirit, but we also have, associated with that, God has something else. And this is what we're going to talk about today, spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. It is grace gifts. One translation says it is that these are divine enablements. Uh, divine enablements. And there's still a lot of confusion then and now that we have here. And the Apostle Paul wrote this in the book to Corinthians, the first book, he writes this. He says, now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. In other words, they were having a problem with understanding what these spiritual gifts were. We had people who understood the gift of eternal life. We recognize from our theme verse that there's some people who did not understand the gift of the Holy Spirit. And those who understood the gift of the Holy Spirit, some messed up the gifts of, of spiritual gifts, the grace gifts, those divine enablements that God gave through the Holy Spirit to enable the church to do what it needed to do. And so they went through some of these struggles. Paul said to them then, and I, and I am carrying what he said to us now, I don't want us to be, have lack of knowledge about the gifts that God gives to us. Okay, because a lot of times if you give somebody a gift, if I gave my, if let's say um, I had a, uh, I don't know, let's say I had a five-year-old and I gave them a chainsaw, right? And I started up for them and handed it to them. That's probably not going to be good. All right. So, so we got to understand these gifts that we have in the midst of this. So the question is, where did all this confusion come from? Well, a lot of times just by people's own spin on it, but a lot of the doctrine, I believe, comes from wrong things. There is a, a group called, dis, uh, and, I do, and I personally do not believe that it's um, correct theology, um, called dispensationalist. And they believe that God dispensed the spiritual gifts on the early church for a period of time in that early church. And then now that the church is officially established, the gifts or the charismata, um, are replaced by the written Bible. So many people believe that um, these dispensationalists say, okay, when the Bible was put together, we don't need the gifts, and God stopped that. All right, so that's one of them. Others pick up uh, in that area too, and they called cessationalists. And what they believe is that the gifts, gifts existed in biblical times, and when the last apostle died, the gifts stopped too. The problem is with that, that if one miracle happens, it does completely away with cessationalist theory. And I've seen miracles in my life. 
And so I don't believe in cessationalism as well. And so if both of those, I believe, are faulty theological approaches, then I believe that the great physician is not closed up shop. I believe that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and I, the Lord your God, do not change, and that the spiritual gifts that he gave were not just for a period, but also for us today. Matter of fact, I'd say to um, those who are, um, who are uh, dispensationalists, I think the church needs the giftedness in, of the Holy Spirit and divine enablements more than ever before because we're pretty messed up, and I think we need the Holy Spirit to guide and direct us in some power and other ways. So um, God still does miracles. I think God is still moving in our lives and providing spiritual gifts to his church. And I don't think many people have a problem with the spiritual gifts. I think people have problems with the packaging it's been wrapped in. Like, for instance, if I gave you a million dollars but wrapped it in a bag of dog turds, you probably wouldn't like it very much. Did you guys get that? I said dog turds, okay? Um, but anyway, okay, West sitting here, so you got to go ahead and keep on going and get me some more today. All right, so what I'm saying is it's the packaging. And most people don't have a problem with the gifts. Mostly they have a problem or an issue with one, the gift of tongues. And that is just something that people have, have something with. Now, I want to show you a list up here, and I also printed it in your bulletin. If you have um, bad eyes like me, you're probably like doing one of these things. So I figured I'd put it up here. There are three main areas where there is a list of, of these uh, gifts that we have in, in the scripture, um, in the New Testament. And you can see that some of these are starred because they're mentioned in multiple gifts um, by, by different people. Usually Paul is giving a list. I don't believe that they're an exhaustive list. I believe that God is always moving and, and meeting the needs in church because back then you don't have um, the gift of, of technology back then, you know. I think that is a giftedness that some people have that God utilizes for his, his kingdom. But so what do we have here? I want to give you kind of, a, kind of a, a list of what these things mean because some of these carry a lot of weight and freak a lot of people out. So the gift of prophecy. Prophecy, many people look at it as like a fortune-telling thing, but that is not it. Prophecy is the ability to speak God's message for today. That's what it is. It's speaking the word of God. Sometimes that is given that God says, hey, I believe within the next year that this is going to happen, or I believe that someday this will happen, and then it's backed up. And our scripture in the Old Testament gave prophecies about Jesus. So I believe that the Holy Spirit gives us these uh, words of prophecy, these abilities to speak God's message to will for day. There is a, um, another one, the works of service uh, that we have here. And service is the ability to serve the needs of others selflessly. There are some people, and again, what I'm saying, these are not just natural gifts. These are, these are um, God-enabled divine gifts that are there. I've known some people who were the most selfish suckers in the world that the Holy Spirit got on their lives, and they became the biggest servants I've ever seen uh, in my life. Teaching, the ability to teach biblical and spiritual truths. Exhortation, the ability to inspire others into action, like the people who come alongside them. There you go. Um, Barnabas. Barnabas in the scripture, his real name was Joseph, but he got the name Son of Encouragement. And he was the one who actually said, no, 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 I'm bringing Paul, um, Paul to you, who was known as Saul. And he said, I'm bringing him in there. And like, what are you talking about? He went and killed Christians. He's like, no, he's great. And he had a nickname, Son of Encouragement. How many of you would love to have the name Son or Daughter of Encouragement? I mean, and that is a spiritual giftedness that, um, that some people end up having. Um, giving, the ability to give generously and cheerfully to others. Um, leadership, the ability to guide the affairs of God and humanity. 
Mercy, the ability to show kindness to all people. And you know, that is an amazing gift. There are some people that they just have this spiritual gift of compassion where they will be sitting in a, in a room full of people and God will speak to them and say, just go, just go talk and love on that person and just be there for them. When sometimes I'm in a room and I'm just so focused on everything else that I don't relate to those things as well as other people do. Um, there's other ones that uh, we look here, the, the gift of wisdom which is the ability to apply knowledge. And so we have the ability of knowledge. Um, and this isn't like normal school knowledge. This is like uh, the ability to understand divine truths for the church, like in a situation. There have been times when I've been in a situation where God will just give me some kind of knowledge and then say, here's what you're supposed to do with it. And it's nothing that I've learned. It just happens. And it's kind of fun because I'm pretty dumb at times. Um, faith. Faith is a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's also a fruit of the Spirit. But... Um, because what happens is God gives us enough faith to accept him, the ability to understand divine truths and just say, okay, I understand about what's here, um, but I'm sure of what the word of God said. We spent a whole series on minefield talking about getting our minds right on the truth of God. And even though it's not what we see, our faith is saying, I'm going to believe in God. God, give me enough strength to do that. And as I use that, it becomes a fruit of the spirit and begins to grow and flourish. Okay, everybody with me here so far? All right, so we have some other ones. I think they're important to go through, so that's why I'm kind of doing that right now. We have um, healing, the, abil- the ability for God's power to come through us and to heal others miraculously. Miracles, the ability to do powerful works and deeds in the name of Jesus and through him. The discerning of spirits to tell good from evil, to recognize that this doesn't seem right. There's something that's just not right with um, with God, and you just you just experience that. You know, tongues, the ability to speak a language that's not learned. Um, the interpretation of tongues, the ability to translate a spiritual message spoken in tongues. The uh, apostle, the ability to spearhead the mission and ministry of the church in the spirit of Christ. Help, the ability to give aid or assist others in the church. Administration, the ability to organize and manage spiritual affairs and the ministries of the local church. And then we have... Uh, in Ephesians, they had apostle, prophets again. But we have the the gift of evangelist. Um, and there's some people who just have that gift. Like my, my friend, Reverend John Hobbs, he is just gifted for that. It's just his passion that he has. And he, he just has this ability to go into places and, and, um, and just bring what God has called him to do. And then pop out and leave the problems for somebody else. You know what I mean? But that's just who he is. And he was a pastor for many years. But he's just gifted in that evangelistic. I mean, Billy Graham was gifted as an evangelist and probably one of the greatest of our modern times that we, we have there. And um, pastor, that there's the ability to care. It actually goes to shepherd, that kind of thing, to shepherd and guide, guide people and teacher we mentioned. All these are spiritual gifts that come from God and, um, and really go ahead and, and, and connect people to their lives. And they're supernatural gifts. Uh, they're, they're powerful gifts. There's... Um, Words of God's revelation that, that come to our mind as we saw knowledge and wisdom and discerning of spirits. There's ones of inspiration um, and vocal gifts. Um, and there's all kinds of different gifts of prophecy and power and all kinds of things. And we get so caught up in the packaging at times that we miss out on the fact that God has these gifts for us for important reasons. And there's a lot of spiritual gifts in what I believe that we should never call anything bad that God has for us. And we get too hung up on tongues or something else or, and that thing. We pay too much attention to positive and negative. We lose fact that 
God has something for us to embrace that may not fit our minds, but that may be needed for such a time as this. And why do we need these spiritual gifts? Because like in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says this. A spiritual gift, a grace gift, is given to each of us so that we can what? Help each other. That's what God wants us for. Anybody need some help in life? Anybody need something to just say, man, I am, I am down. I am frustrated. I, I, I'm connecting to God, but I'm not feeling it. I'm so tired of, of just the, the way the last year's been. I just can't, I, I feel like the next shoe's going to drop. Or you may be dealing with some health issues, or you may be dealing with some kind of tragedy. Isn't it nice to know that God has given you some of these gifts to help? And to, and to help you along in those things. So if you're a Christian, here's what I want to tell you. God has deposited a, gift, a spiritual gift in you. He's deposited that in you. Because when you accept Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you. And the illustration by the late um, Reverend uh, Dennis Bennett uh, said that it's kind of like a fire hydrant. It's there, but you just need the Holy Spirit to release that in your life. And so I believe, for what reason? So that we can be wild and foam at the mouth and do backflips in church? No, 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 no. That's not what it's about. Um, it's so that we can help each other. So God has given us a, an assignment attached to these gifts, and Satan does not want us to have these assignments because they are used to strengthen each other, which strengthens the church, which reminds Satan that we are the hands and feet of Christ in this world and that many people come to faith in Christ through the church. And if we don't use our giftedness, then we are just weak and limping along as another institution that is not giving anybody the life of Christ. And so the gifts of God are for lots of different things. Now, in the Old Testament, the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit used to come on people and take off. Come on, people, for a task and take off again. Because Jesus had not come, so there were people who were sinful, so the Holy Spirit, boom, upon them. Samson, Holy Spirit came upon him, raw, boom, psh, beat people up, and then it would depart. Matter of fact, after he finally gave in to Delilah, let's face it, Samson's not the smart, the brightest bulb, light bulb in the pack. He's not that. But when he finally told her and he had his hair cut and everything, it wasn't about the haircut. It was about the breaking of the Nazarite vow, which he had broken everything else except for the hair. He then says, I will go out as I have before. And then the saddest, one of the saddest verses of Scripture, but the Spirit had departed him. So Samson's strength was not in his hair. It was in the Spirit of God that came upon him. And so many, I believe that the church is living out. We, I will go out as I have done before in the church. And in many cases, we have not opened our hearts and lives to the gifts of the Spirit. And we are blind Samson going out. We're Samson going out and getting our eyes gouged out in this world. If I really believe there's one issue with the church that we need to get right is to open up and say, God, give me what you have for me because this world is beating us up and Satan is alive and well and we need the gifts of the Spirit to combat him. And so it came upon particularly priests in the Old Testament to do priestly things. And on the day of Pentecost, which we're going to talk about next week, on the day of Pentecost, God swore it in the prophecy of Joel, God's Spirit was poured out on everyone. And what had happened in, if you read through the book of Acts, you find out that even the uh, Jewish believers, even the apostles, were amazed when they heard that the Holy Spirit was being poured out on non-Jews, Gentiles. So much so that Peter went to go see what was going on. And in the middle of his sermon, the Holy Spirit fell. God didn't even wait for him to finish the benediction, the Holy Spirit fell and they began to speak in tongues and the gifts of the Spirit began to manifest themselves. And 
Peter said, well, hey, let's go baptize them with water. So it like did the reverse, and that doesn't fit in our nice organized denominational structures when those things happen. And so um, it created an early church controversy where they actually had controversy on, do you need to become Jewish first to become, become a, a follower of Jesus? And it created this whole kind of controversy. But the Holy Spirit was poured out on everyone. It was no longer just for special people, the priests and those, those prophets that God had called out. So as soon as the early church ended, though, because they, they experienced that God's spirit was poured out on all believers, as soon as the last apostle died and, and everything went on, guess what they did? They set up roles. And they put up people that these, verses aren't, these words aren't even in the Bible. They set up clergy which just means one who speaks, okay? They set up a clergy, and they set up, and they were the ones who were going to take care of the, the full-time churchy stuff. And then they set up the other people who were known as laity or lay people, and they were just supposed to lay around to do nothing. You know, that's how it's supposed to be. Clergy's supposed to do this. Laity's supposed to do that kind of stuff. And that's what began to happen. In the 15th century, there was a great awakening called the Protestant Reformation in, in Europe. And they discovered what this, this truth of the gospel and what they called the priesthood of all believers. Meaning that it's not just for, um, for father so-and-so or reverend or uh, pastor. It's not for there. That all of us who are in Christ are the priesthood of all believers. That we all have a special grace gifts that God has given us so that we can carry the ministry of the church into all the world. And the Spirit of God fell. You might recognize names like this. Martin Luther or John Knox is in, in, in uh, Scotland area. Um, or John Calvin um, or Hendrik Zwingli in Switzerland. Or in the late, later part of the Protestant Reformation, a man named John Wesley who, and his brother Charles who were revivalists in the 1700s. And John Wesley went and heard a, didn't want to go to church. A pastor who didn't want to go to church. Can you believe that? But he went and he heard a treatise given on Romans chapter 8 and he sat there. And all Wesley said is, my heart was strangely warmed. And he said, he's a pastor. And he started to say, I realized that God loved me and had a plan for my life. And, And then he got on a boat and he decided to come to the New World. And while he was on there, he was on there with some Armenians and, and all of a sudden the The ship was in trouble, and he was scared to death, and he was cowering, and he looked at them, and they were singing praises to God. And he said, what do they have that I don't? Here I am, I'm a pastor, and and it changed his life, and he began to create something called the Oxford Holy Club. And they got a derogatory term because they they, they would get up in the morning, and they'd pray, and they'd do the spiritual disciplines, which helped them connect to God through the Holy Spirit. And they got this name called Methodist because they had a method to everything. And it's through his faith and connection with the Holy Spirit that the Methodist movement started. These passionate movements driven by a connection with recognizing the priesthood of all believers grew and, and, and people used their giftedness to spread the ministry of the church. And even in, in Methodism, they didn't have pastors at every church. They had what they called circuit riders that would get around every so often. And so the ministry of the church and the, was in the hands of the lay people who were using their giftedness, their God-given spiritual gifts to do things. And then after these early reformers died, 
denominations went back to professional clergy and laity and separation. And that brings us to where we are today. You know, this happens to me a lot because of, of what I do for years. I will be at a sporting event, whether I was coaching and, and something could be on the line, and somebody will look at me and say, okay, Cohen, go ahead and put a word in for the big guy. Like, I got some, like, you know, like, hotline to God. Like, hello, God, you know, here we go. And, like, I have something special. Or I, when I've done weddings or outdoor events, people come to me and say, Pastor, start praying because, you know, you see that cloud in the sky and we just really like, and like hey, you know, I got to remind them I'm in sales, not in management, you know, so, um, but think about that for a while. But, you know, that's the thing that happens. And a lot of people think that because I have a, div- a master of divinity that I'm a divine master. I'm not. I am a sinner saved by grace that has a giftedness that God called me to be a pastor. And just to let you know, this is a miracle every Sunday because I know who I am. And I know how the grace of God works in and through me through spiritual giftedness. I like this time probably better than any time of the week because this is the one time I know that the Holy Spirit is actively working in me in spite of me, right? And so this is what begins to happen. I have nothing special. I am just this guy using my spiritual gift that God has put on my life, kicking and screaming he did it. But this holy, let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He will not force you. But he has that gift because that's what God wants for you in your life. There are gifts inside of each of you, and God wants to use that to make a difference. So I came up with this, and I have this definition of a spiritual gift, and it's here. A spiritual gift is a special supernatural ability that God has given to each of his children so that together, notice that together, we can advance his purposes in this world. It is a supernatural ability. It is not a natural talent. So that we together, we are a body working together. And the body works best when it's put together. If you cut my foot off, it's not going to work very well. I need it to be connected to the rest of the body. For what purpose? To advance God's purposes. That means God has a calling for us. That means God has something for us to do. He has a mission. And that's why we know it's called the Great Commission. Go into all the world. There's several examples of this here at Haven Church. And it's one of the things I've always wanted to see in in ministry. And I've been able to see that. Where um, people using their unique giftedness um, to make a difference. Like those who are are filling in and those who do Sunday school or Haven Kids or nursery. Um, You make a difference for for different people. And you will be glad that I am not in there. Um, So... um, some facts about spiritual gifts. Let me look here. Gifts come from God. Gifts, the spiritual gifts are witnesses to our life and our commitment as followers of Jesus. Gifts empower us to serve others in Jesus' name. Gifts uh, help grow and mature um, and help the church do that. Gifts do not dominate you. They are subject to the will of the person and the willingness of the person. And gifts are for everyone. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39, Peter said to them, at the day of Pentecost, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of, the, of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you shall receive the what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. It's not a curse. For the promise is to you, to those there, to your children, and all that are far off. You know who that is? You. 
You're far off from that point. That gifts of God. What gift of God? The promise of God. The gift of the Holy Spirit is for you. And all far off. And everyone whom the Lord calls to him. That is exciting. That is not ceased. It's not dispensed to a few. But that God has giftedness for you. So how do we make a difference as we wrap this up here today? How do we make a difference? Okay, Jack, tell me, how do we do this? Number one, we have to discover the gifts that God has for me. Discover the gifts God has for me. Again, it is not just a natural gift. It is often the opposite of your natural giftedness. Often God will take something and say, watch what I do. Remember Moses? Moses was a stutterer hanging out in the... um, in the desert, and God raised him up, and Moses said, wait, 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 I stutter, I don't speak well, and God said, all right, take Aaron with you, and let me tell you, you never, ever hear Aaron saying anything to Pharaoh, it's all Moses, why? Because of the Spirit of God came upon him, and did something um, to, uh, that was incredible, I was just thinking today um, about a friend of mine, I know some of us know Reverend John Dunnick, and Reverend John Dunnick does stutter, and has, and he, he, had thought about a calling to ministry many, many years ago. He shared this in his testimony. And he said, but he said, no, he wasn't going to do it because pastors need to speak. And he decided to go into, ed, he was going to be a teacher. And he said, all of a sudden, God said, well, if you're going to speak then, then why don't you speak for God? And he does. And he has moments that, but he's one of the most grace-filled men that I've ever met. And he's a good friend. And I love him dearly. Um, several people have, I've seen God do something opposite of what the natural world's given you, do something amazing in your life. So we need to discover that. So how do we find these God divinely enablements? Well, in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 10, it says, we have different gifts, charisma, according to the grace, the charis given to us. So we have different grace gifts. Not everybody has the same grace gifts. Some of them may overlap, but it's it's easy, it's easy for you. When, when the Spirit of God comes on you, even if it wasn't your natural ability, when it comes on you, it's easy. Me right here, this is easy for me. This is always easy for me to, to go ahead. I can preach at a moment's notice. John Wesley said, uh, pray, preach, or die in a moment's notice. I can do that because of the giftedness God's given to me. Okay? That's something. That's easy. Some of you, if I said, come on up and give us our closing prayer, you would run out the door. My wife was not like that. Melissa is not like, oh, let me go speak. She covered for me one time because I had a ticket to an Eagles playoff game. And she covered for me. And she said, don't ever make me do that again. And that was like 24, 23 years ago. And I never have again. It's not going to happen. She has another giftedness that she has. Um, and she uses that. I be very glad. Like I said, I am not in Haven's kids. I love kids. In minuscule times. If I was there, it would have all the little things you hand out and duct tape and chairs. And that's how I would survive every week. So be glad that there's other people who are gifted there. That has passed me by in this age. I'm too cantankerous. Um, I have friends who are missionaries and who love it. And they come and share about it. And they're like, wow, why don't you come and, and visit me down there? And I'm like, no, because it sounds miserable to me. I like technology. I like stuff. I like air conditioning. I like real food. I mean, I like those things. I'm sorry. And, but they talk about it like it's Club Med. And that's why? Because it's their giftedness. I'm like, here, take some money. Hallelujah, go. Right? That's what I want to do. 
because I do, it's not where my grace gift is. And I know that. And I'm so thankful, Jesus. Please don't change it. All right. But um, <laughs> the reason why they love it is because they're in their gift from God, their spiritual gift from God. I am in mine, and you need to get into yours. It's the only way the body works. It's the only way that it happens. So you say, how do I find it? Here we go. You have to do something. And we've made it easy for you. If you go to havencc.org, if you go there, and under the giving tab, you go all the way down, it says spiritual gifts. And you can go ahead and you can have a self-assessment or a guided assessment to begin this process. And so, so here's what I'm saying. If you really want to find out what God has for you, what gift he has for you, put up or shut up. It's there. Go down, find it, and that's just the beginning of the process. Because I guarantee you what's going to happen, it's going to come up and you're going to, no, 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 not me. He said, yeah, not yet, but let me, let me, I've gifted you for that. I put that in your life. Go ahead and find that out. That's your homework. I'm giving you homework this week, all right? Your homework is to go ahead, go, havencc.org, under the giving tab, go all the way down, boom, spiritual gifts, and pick which one you want. If you don't want a guided one, fine. If you don't, if you want the self, uh, self one, go ahead. But do it not for me, do it for you. Because God has placed the gift in you. And let me tell you, if you don't know what your gift is, then there's two things that are happening. It's not being lived out and somebody else will not do it because God gifted you for it. And the other thing is, you are giving Satan a stronghold in an area that your spiritual gift could get him out. Those two things. So maybe you have your own Holy Spirit horror story. Just take a deep breath and be open to God. Psalm 139 says this. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. When you look at those verses, you created my inmost being. God has something in you that he's placed in you that is geared for you only. Something special in you. Something deep within you. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, guys, we're really good at this. We can look at the mirror and we can be a complete mess and be like, I am good. You know, and ladies, you find, you find fault with everything. You're like, eh, no, and we're like, what? And we're, but guys are like, mm, yeah, I think I'll put on a Speedo and go to the beach, you know, and have it all hang. I mean, that's just how we are. But I am fearfully and wonderfully made. If that's all you hear today, hear this, that God has made you fearfully and wonderfully. He, he designed you with, with a giftedness. And here's the thing that many of us have problems with. I know that full well. I've shared with you my own, my own uh, in, uh, kind of own insecurities and things like that. And sometimes it's hard to know that I know who God says I am. It's hard at times. So we just have a difficult accepting that. And so one of the things you do is you find your spiritual giftedness, and then we'll work on a personality profile. Those things combined can tell us how we get there. And then he continues and says this. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to me. God has, and it's cool, God not only fearfully and wonderfully made you and said, you're awesome, but he wrote your story. He wrote your story, but what happens in life is we often add chapters that shouldn't be there. I've got a lot of chapters. I mean, Jack going to college years, it's kind of interesting, all right? Um, and that's a chapter that I don't think God wrote from my from my my book, but you know what's really cool about it is that even 
though God wrote this book before any came into being, and I, I kind of chose my own adventure and added, remember those books, and I added some other things there, um, I can still get back to where God needs me to be uh, in that. So because God's design for me, in me, reveals God's destiny for me. God's design in me real God destiny for me. He's not going to mess my life up. He's going to get me back there. So that's, that's number one. Number two, develop the gifts God has given me. Gifts change and mature. As you change and mature. And I have, uh, just some of the people that have, it's, it's amazing to me to see some of the people that are leading and doing things in the church. I remember when you first came in the door and you were kind of like, I don't know about this thing, right? And I've seen how God has used you and has grown in you and has celebrated. I remember some people coming to disciple Bible studies and sitting there and not saying, I don't know anything about the Bible. And then seeing them just feel strong in their faith and, and assured of God's word and connecting in those areas. In Corinthians 14, 1 Corinthians 14, it says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. In other words, desire them. One translation says to covet them. So stuff may not be in sync with God in your life right now, but don't give up on the dream and the passion that's inside of you. I don't, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care what you've done. And you know what's more importantly than what I don't care about? God doesn't care. He placed the gift in you, and wherever you are, he can put you right back on the path of your dream. Like, for instance, if I wanted to go to Baltimore, I would take I-95, and I'd go straight down, and I'd have to pass through Towson. But guess what? If I decided to go to York, Pennsylvania first, I can still get to Baltimore. It may just take a little bit longer. Some of you may be on the York, Pennsylvania trip to Baltimore in your own life, and that's okay, but now it's time to get to Baltimore because God has a plan for you there. Um, in 2 Timothy 1, 6, it says this. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame. That means that flame's there. The gift of God, which is in you. God has that gift in you. So here's what I'm doing. I'm pouring gasoline on it today. Go. That's what I'm trying to do here today. Then we can do this last thing, and that's the third thing. Use the gifts that God has given me. This is what it's all about. Use the gifts that God has given me. If you don't know Jesus, then that's what your whole life needs to be about right now. If you don't know Jesus and you haven't accepted that gift of eternal life, that's what, you're, that's what you need to focus on. Okay? But if you do know Jesus, if you do know Jesus, life is summed up in one thing. Use the gifts that God has given you. Use the gifts that God has given you. One thing I have truly learned over this last year, more than I ever have before, none of us are guaranteed time to do it. Like we say, maybe next year, or when the fall starts. I can tell you over the last year, if somebody in in 2019 said, you know what, this year I'm really going to get involved in that small group, and I'm going to be there. Um, Maybe, maybe not. We need to use the gifts that God has for our lives and to really seek him in several ways. There's a, there's a neat verse in 1 Peter 4, 10 in the New Living Translation. It says this, God has given gifts, charis, charismata, to each of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. God's got like this whole bag of, bag of gifts. And he's like, oh, I think, I think, 
I think that's good for Michelle. Oh my gosh, I think that's good for Bob. Oh my gosh, here, here, Hawk, you have that. Oh, there you go, Justin. There, and he's just, he's just, oh yeah, that's perfect. He's, God is the greatest gift giver. He's got, he knows your heart. He's like, oh, I know this is the one that we need, and he just has this bag of gifts that he just wants to, he just wants to give. So it's our job to manage them well, so that God's generosity can flow through you. Manage the gift that God has given you. Manage it well so that others come to know him in and through all things. This is an amazing answer to my prayers for all of you. That you would understand and experience each of these roles. You see, like I said, I've had many times where I've written the wrong story, the wrong chapter in my life. And this church is not me. It's a miracle of God. It's a calling of God and is lived out by the giftedness of the people in this church that have been here. It's God's Holy Spirit in me and God's Holy Spirit in you. And I know that I was made for this. And so one of the things that I found out, and this is what our church has stood on from the very first time it came together. And there's, uh, you know, the worship team will be coming up, but I want to go ahead and I want to share with you these things that, are the cores of what God put into my heart when this church would start. So Haven Church is made, Haven Community Church is made for us to go on a spiritual journey. And here's what it is. To know God. To know God and membership in his family. A, church, a Christian without a church is an orphan. So to know God and membership in his family. To grow. To grow what? To grow to be like Jesus in maturity. You're like, I can't be like Jesus. No, you can't, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can grow in what Christ calls us to, to grow into those areas. To serve. The whole thing, and people tell you, I have never wanted to be a, a pastor here that has his hand in every batter. I had a seminary professor who gave me the greatest illustration of a pastor. The best job of any pastor is to work yourself out of a job. Because we are the priesthood of all believers. And if everybody is using their gift grace from God, then I can come, I can come use mine to talk and encourage you, but you guys go for it and do what God needs you to do. So serve and equip and serve in the church and their, your life mission. And ultimately to share, to share Jesus in the larger world. So somebody says, you, you look every day in the middle there. It says, know, grow, serve, and share. And the cross is in the center point right there. Because, because of him, I have the gift of eternal life. And that enables me to use my gift in this because I know him. And because I'm, I've grown in him from where I was and I'm still growing in, in Christ. But I'm using my gifts because I know them to serve. And this church exists because God called, gave me a gift in this and said, use it and serve for others. And you're here because you're using your gift in this and serving. But there is a world out there that needs us to share. And if we never get to our giftedness, then we're missing out on the ability to share the name of Christ. I want you to know your giftedness so you can serve in God and that your life can be right where it needs to be. And you can say this statement here, I am made for this. This is what I am made for. And God gives you those gifts that brings it all together because you are fearfully and wonderfully made in him.
Amen? All right. So let's stand, if you will, and let's, um, let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer as we wind down our corporate worship here today. Jesus, we, uh, we come to you today. And um, I thank you for the, the times that, um, that you mess with us. I thank you for the times that, um, that you just want to press us a little bit in our faith. You see, because we, we were feasting on the, um, on the hill of, of uh, minefield and hearing about renewing our minds. And then, God, you hit us with a, with a series that, that presses us wherever we are. And so, Father, I just ask that you continue to have us just be more open to your Holy Spirit. Because we need him in our lives. It is a, a, he is a gift for our lives. And God, I pray this week that everybody in the sound of my voice will go ahead and, and go on our website and go ahead and go down to giving and just take the spiritual gift assessment and begin to ask God, okay, what is my gift? Give it to me, God. What are those gifts that I have? And that we begin to expand that, not for, for Haven Church, but for the kingdom and for that person to say, oh my gosh, I was made for this. Thank God I answered that. And so, Lord, during this time where there's people to, that are always available to pray with you, that somebody may be here today and say, gosh, I need to, I need to find my giftedness uh, forever. And there may be somebody else who says, you know what, I don't know anything about this, and I'm still wrestling with the, this gift that you said is eternal life. If so, then I'm going to tell you, you have a gift from God, and it's his son, and we all miss the mark of what's intended and, and what we deserve for that, what the payment for that bill is death. But God said, hey, I have a gift for you, and it's eternal life. You don't have to ever die. You're going to have a fullness of life, how I originally intended, but you have to come through one thing. You have to come through my son. So, Lord, I just pray that somebody says, Jesus, I, I need a ticket. I need eternal life. I want that gift. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say, do your thing. I need a Savior. You're it. And all heaven will rejoice and that, God, you will give them that gift here today. So here we are. We want to worship you. We're going to seek you. But ultimately, God, we, I want you to do something even greater and miraculous by the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives. And we come in contact with your grace gift that you have for us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Lord, I come. I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you Every hour I need you My one defense My righteousness Oh God, how I need you Listen, run deep your grace is more, but grace is found 
have a great week and may you recognize that we need him and he needs us to connect to our gifts and have a great week. Next week, Pentecost Sunday, and that's going to be our term. Pentecostal, don't freak out. All right. Have a great week. God bless.